Hey there, Pioneers, and welcome to episode number 263. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, a fifth-generation homesteader who got back to her roots of using simple, modern homesteading for a healthier and more self-sufficient life after a cancer scare in my late 20s. This is the place for you, my friend, if you sometimes wondered if you weren't born a hundred years too late, if you've always thought that you and Laura Ingalls would be best friends, and if you think that every home and kitchen would be better if they were filled with mason jars and cast iron and those things were used daily with homegrown and homemade food. If that is you, then welcome home and welcome to this amazing community of modern pioneers. Today, we are going to be diving into what it looks like when you are butchering a year's worth of chicken. I'm going to be sharing with you what it looks like and how our day went as we just did this last week and the freezer is now full with an entire year's worth of our own organic and pasture-raised chicken, as well as a little bit of insight as to why you did not hear any new podcast episodes for a few weeks. So normally, I do a new podcast episode for you guys every single Friday. And I do a new YouTube video every Wednesday. Well, I, if I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to be honest, I kind of have been struggling the past, I would say really the past about two to three weeks. If you're on my email list, thank you so much. I love being able to share resources and things with you. And every Saturday I send out a real-time written email, like a little recap, um, insights and things along with new resources or timely seasonal resources like during cherry season, how to preserve cherries, etc. Um, every single Saturday. So it's my newsletter. And I shared with you guys on there a couple weeks back, I was just flat out, I was struggling. Uh, normally, I am super excited. I love this way of life. I am very passionate about doing homesteading and you know, raising your own food and figuring out ways to do a lot of these old-fashioned things that have kind of been lost or they may be new to me and, and just sharing how to fit those in within still having a modern life. I mean, obviously, I'm doing a podcast, right? We've got some of these modern technologies, um, and but I love it. Like really like wake up belly on fire in a good way, excited to share this stuff with you guys. But, and that is now my full-time job. This is what I, what I do. I worked as a pharmacy tech for 18 years and it's only been the past two years that I've been doing this full-time, including writing books and part of my membership and some of my full, um, online courses, et cetera. But over like the past three weeks, I have really been struggling. Um, the things that normally bring me joy and that I'm super passionate about, like I, I just don't have any motivation, which is very unlike me. In fact, there was a couple of days where I felt like I just wanted to be like a two-year-old and I just wanted to lay down on the floor and kick my feet and say no. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is not normal for me. I have been emotional. And I mean, I normally 
you know, I'm, if you can't tell, I'm usually pretty exuberant. I'm usually pretty bubbly. I usually have quite a few emotions, but I have been like, just wanted to cry for really no reason. It's not like, you know, I stubbed my toe or somebody said something mean to me. And so I wanted to cry type, type thing. Like where I should say like in a scenario where you would expect that emotion to rise. And so I just am like, I've got to step back and figure out what is going on with me and to just take some time and to breathe. I really feel like I was getting close to being burnt out. Normally I do 40 hours a week. So full time I am doing business stuff, being it recording a podcast episode, doing a live, you know, editing YouTube videos, editing um, and shooting the videos that go up into the membership and the paid courses and all that type of stuff. But since COVID hit, because so many more people need to grow their own food, they need to preserve food, they need to know how to make things from scratch that they were used to buying from the store. And I am beyond grateful and thrilled to be able to help people do that and that there's more people becoming interested in this way of life. But that what I normally would do has tripled because of the just the influx of people needing and wanting and needing help. And I've been logging in since March between 55 and 60 plus hours a week, week in and week out. And that doesn't include doing my own garden and homeschooling kids and all the things. So I share that with you to say, like, I really had to look at it and I'm like, okay, I'm getting close to being burnt out. Um, and that's affecting me emotionally. Like it's affecting all the things it's affecting me. Obviously physically is in the point of like my emotional response. So that's why you didn't have a new podcast episode for me for the past couple of weeks. And I didn't have a new YouTube video. I missed a week. I just had to pull back and kind of reevaluate and take some time and look at ways to maybe make things easier or to, um, get some more help as far as the workload so that we, I can continue to help people but without being overwhelmed. So I felt like I needed to share that with you. And I know a lot of you have said, you know, I kind of feel that way too. I think also, even though I'm a homesteader, I've got my own food supply on a lot of things. We are so well set in, in comparison to a lot of people in modern society, but still even trying to limit what I see on the news and everything, I don't think you can help but be affected by all of the stuff that's going on with the pandemic and just everything that we've had thrown at us since March, really. Um, in the world and in the nation, especially for those of us who live in America. And I think even if you don't think it's affecting you, there's an under that it is, you just might not even realize it. So if you are feeling that way, um, or you felt that way, it's normal. It really is. It's normal. And we, you know, we obviously will get through us, but don't be afraid to take some time and to acknowledge it. I think part of it too, is I, I just kept pushing down, like, this isn't affecting me. Like I'm fine. And I kind of just had to come to grips to come to grips and deal with it. So now that I've said all of that, <laughs> let's get on to butcher day. So part of the reason I didn't do a podcast episode or YouTube video last week was because it was butchering day. So to if you want to have step-by-step -step tutorial, I actually took, I have photos and I have a written step-by-step -step tutorial on the blog and you can go to melissakinorris.com forward slash 263, just the number 263, because this is episode number 263. And you can see the step-by-step -step photos on how to butcher a chicken at home. But I'm going to walk you through some of the steps. So we began, we got these chickens. They 
were at eight weeks is when we butchered. So they were eight weeks old when we butchered them, which is a pretty quick turnaround. They are the Cornish cross, which is the meat bird we chose to do uh, because frankly, I did not want to be feeding them and taking care of them all throughout the summer. It's an added chore load and I don't like dealing with them in the heat. Also, when it gets really hot out, which here in the Pacific Northwest, we haven't had really that much of hot weather yet and we don't typically get it more August is pretty much our month where we have a lot of heat, sometimes a little bit in July, but they get stressed in the hot weather. And so I didn't want to deal with much more stress than your other heritage breeds or like your laying hens. And so knowing that I didn't want them when they were large or getting closer to butcher sites, like in the last four, after their four weeks of age, their last four weeks, I didn't want them in a hot pot or summer. So that's why we decided to do the Cornish cross. Now you can also check out um, previous episodes um, that I talk about when you're picking which type of meat bird is right for you and raising meat birds. So for the butchering part, we did 26 meat birds in one day. It was myself, my husband, and both of our kids. So my daughter is 11 and my son is 15. They have been helped. We've been raising and butchering our own meat birds for over six years and they have always helped. So my kids have always been a part of butchering day when we're butchering our chickens. Uh, they're very well adjusted children and I think it's important that they know how to do it, that they have those skills, that they help provide their own food. Um, and that they know how to do it very humanely and with respect. So everybody helps. The first thing you need to know is you need to have your equipment. Ideally, you will have cones. This is much easier way to actually kill the animal using kill cones than it is to try to lay them down and chop off their head on like a block with an axe or something like that. So the cones, again, you can go to the tutorial and see the actual pictures, but you get these cones, they're metal cones that go on a stand and you put the birds in them upside down and then their head comes out the bottom and you remove their head. We prefer to just use a really sharp knife and completely remove their head all in one cut um, rather than just slit their throats and let them bleed out. There's people have very, um, very mixed or definite, I should say, opinions on that. For us, we find it. That's our, we feel that's the most ethical and humane way to do it. Let me put it that way. So then the chickens, um, you know, they're bleeding out because you have removed their head. But instead of them flopping and running around the yard, which a lot of people feel like when they were children and saw that might have traumatized them, people I've talked to, um, they will shake in the cones, but they're very contained. So all the blood is in one spot. The bird is contained. It's kind of, you know, is, is flopping around a little bit in the cone. And then when it's stopped that, then you take them out and the cone holds four birds at once. So we needed to do that. We had 26 chickens. So we ended up doing it. Do the math in there. We ended up doing it in six rounds because we could do four at a time. So then you need to have set up after that is the scalding tank. Because if you can scald the bird, it is much easier to pluck. Trust me on this. And you want to be able to pluck them fast. Otherwise, that's probably the most time consuming part is the plucking. So we rent from our local county agriculture office. They have all of the equipment to butcher your chickens at home. So this includes the kill cones. This includes a scalding tank that is hooked up to propane. So you do need to have that scalding tank filled and turned on so that it is at between 140 and 150 degrees Fahrenheit for scalding. You don't want to cook the chicken uh, skin, right? You, because we want to do that obviously when we're ready to eat it. So it's just hot enough that it loosens the feathers and the skin on the feet so that you can remove the skin on the feet really easily and you can get all the feathers removed quick. 
So you want to have that set up about an hour heating up ahead of time, that scalding tank. Then we have the automatic plucker, which is the best thing in the whole world when it comes to butchering chickens. Just trust me. So you need to have a water hookup and electricity. So we do all of this out in the field, but where our pump house is, because we have both water, obviously, and electricity to our pump house. And so we have water with the hose that's going hooked up to the plucker and then the electricity. And so it looks like this. Go and look at the pictures in the tutorial if you've never seen one. But it's got like it almost looks like a top loading washing machine, um, you know, like the, the inside, except it has these little rubber looking fingers all along the sides. And then on the bottom, it's got a spinning thing that has those little rubber fingers, too. So those little rubber fingers, as the chicken has already been um, killed and scalded, you put it in here. And so the water as it's spinning it, these little rubber fingers grip and take off the feathers and the feathers shoot out, shoot out the bottom. And so then you just pick up and it's fast. I'm like within 30 seconds, all the feathers are off the chicken. It's amazing. You've got a bald chicken. So you're not having to do very much plucking. Then we take it over for the actual gutting part and processing part too. We just have a big metal table that we have set up with an extra hose to just hose things off. And so we work like an assembly style. So we do four birds, in the kill cones, they get killed. We take them to the scalding tank. They get scalded. And when it's at 140 to 150 degrees Fahrenheit, right in there, it'll vary a little bit. Um, you're going to keep them in between 30 to 60 seconds. And you'll pull them up and you'll pull a couple feathers. If they pull out easy, then you're good to go. And then they go right into the plucking machine. Then they come to the actual part where we're doing the processing. So, how we do it for our family is my husband, we, the kids will catch the chickens and put them upside down into the kill cones. And then my husband actually does the killing cut. And then the kids take the chickens to the scalding tank, scald them, and then they put them into the defeathering machine. And then they bring them to my husband. And so we will do four in the kill cone at once. They'll take two birds. Each kid will take one and put them through the scalding tank because there's about that much room to really easily maneuver them. And then bring them to us. And so then while my husband and I are each gutting and dressing out those two birds, then they're taking the next two and putting them in the scalding tank and then defeathering them, bringing to us. And then they're going back and they're catching four more and putting them in the cones. And then that by that time, my husband and I are both done with those four birds gutting them and dressing them out. And then he goes over and we repeat the process. So for the 26 birds, it took us not including like setup, like getting the scalding tank and everything ready, just the actual butchering and gutting part. It was about probably about two and a half hours, I would say, to do all 26 birds. The part that takes the longest, honestly, is like really the cleanup. I, and then we brought the birds in the house, let them rest for a while, and then finished packaging them in the house. But I'm going to walk you through assembly line works really well. Like if you were trying to just do one bird at a time, it would take you all day. And if we had more killing cones, we probably could do more at once. But doing the four worked really well, having four people, you know, kind of working through the assembly line. So when the birds come to us and my husband and I, you want to obviously make sure that your knives are really sharp and that you have a knife sharpener with you. So the first thing that we do is we remove the feet and I save the feet. So I use the feet because it makes the most gelatinous, nutritious broth. Like you talk about getting a gel you're ever going to get. So if you have never made broth with chicken feet, you're like, what? No, trust me on this. It makes wonderful broth. I know it sounds a little gross, but don't worry about it. You are removing all of the skin. 
they're being washed. It's very clean. I know you're thinking about chicken feet. You know what they step in, but trust me, it's fine. It's totally fine. So we save the feet. So that's the first thing we do. And you, um, you actually, you'll, you'll bend them and there's right between the joint, there's a spot that you can go through and it removes the feet very easily. And so then we set those aside in a bag and we just have all the chicken feet go in one bag. Then you want to make sure that you remove the oil gland right where the tail is right above on the backside on the on the tail there's an oil gland that chickens use um, to keep themselves oils on their feathers but you want to remove that oil gland because when it's cooking that oil is going to give it like a gross flavor you don't want it so we remove that oil gland that's step after removing the leg the feet from the legs then next up you are going to go to the front of the animal and you're going to go right you slit right above the neck. So it's kind of like there's a little dimple where the neck comes out and then the bottom of the breast, there's like a, an indent there. And you're going to slit right there and you go in and you grab the crop, which you stop feeding the animals the night before so that that crop is empty. You don't want it full of food. It becomes a big mess and it's just a pain in the butt. So you go in and you um, take the crop and you pull that loose. And then you also take the vent pipe and you just do it with your finger. You like just scoop your finger underneath this crop and you separate it from everything else and you do the same thing with the vent pipe. Then you go to the back of the bird and you flip it over and right above the anus, you're going to make a horizontal slit and that's where you know all of the guts are and you're getting into the cavity. And so you're going to slit and you have some room there, but you're going to make a horizontal slit. And you obviously don't want to puncture the intestines because we don't want all of that inside our bird and tainting our meat, etc. And then make sure you have, if you're a lady, make sure all your rings are removed. I make sure that all my rings are removed that, you know, I don't have um, any jewelry on. And then you reach up inside of the cavity in there and you're going to, ideally, you're going to reach far enough in and up that you're going to grab the vent pipe and the crop. And then you've got your heart and liver, you know, all the internal organs plus the intestines and you pull them out in one, in one pull. And we keep a garbage bag, right, a garbage can, excuse me, with a bag right at the base of the table so that we're literally just pulling all of the um, insides out and then the guts and everything, they are going right into this garbage bag. Now we keep the heart. Uh, we don't keep the chicken livers, but we, you, some people, you can, you totally can. Some people love the liver. We don't keep the liver on the chickens, um, but we do use, do the heart. And so then we usually eat the hearts that night or the next night. So we keep the hearts out. Those get rinsed and put in another bag to be taken in the house and then cleaned off again once more before we um, prepare them to eat them. And then you're going to pull um, all the guts are going out. So they're actually pulling down on the um, rectum, I'm trying to think of like all the proper terms, anatomy terms here of the rectum of the chicken. And then you take your knife and you cut down um, in a V um, on both sides so that you're actually removing the um the rectum and the final, all the, nothing's attached, intestines wise. Then you go back in because usually you will miss the lungs because the lungs are kind of pressed um, further down. They're at the bottom when the chicken is in this position. And you want to make sure that you get the, um, the lungs removed. And then we go and we take, have a, the hose there and we take the hose and we spray the inside of the cavity out and rinse it really, really well. And the outside, just to make sure if there's like any blood clots or anything like that inside the cavity, that all of that has been rinsed out. And then we flip them around and remove the neck. 
um, or at least cut not the whole neck, but we remove the neck down further so that we can easily bag them and none of that neck bone is like protruding out. And then they get one more rinse off on the outside and they go into a cooler with ice to rest for about six to 12 hours. Um, so then we just go through, like I said, this entire process until all the birds are done. It took two very large ice chests with ice um, for us to put all of them in ice chests. And then we bring that up to the house and then we clean up and, and clean everything, the whole outside area where we were butchering. Um, and then we let those rest for about six hours. So we start butchering in the morning, usually about nine, nine o'clock. And if you can time it so that you can butcher on a day that is cloudy and cool, that is the best because then you don't have as many flies other and it doesn't stink as much because when you're doing the scalding part, which is all they're taking their feathers off, it can get a little bit smelly. I mean, chickens aren't, you know, the cleanest. You've got birds and you're putting them in hot water. And that's the part that can get kind of stinky. But if you do it on a day that's cooler, the smell isn't nearly as bad at all. It, it's like really, it wasn't hardly, you, you couldn't really hardly even smell anything. So it did, it was really well. You can't, I know, control the weather. You can't always time it. But if possible, that works really well. So we found that just starting early in the day works the best because then we were done um, kind of like around by one, one o'clock. We were done with actual butchering by the time we start, turned on like the scalding tank and all that, I should say. We're getting everything set up about nine. Um, we actually started about 10.30, I think it was. So we were done by about one, one thirty, And then the birds have at least six hours to sit. So then we were kind of cleaning everything else up and getting it all loaded because you have to return the butcher equipment by a certain time. So we got all of that cleaned up outside, everything disposed of outside that we weren't keeping, obviously, and got all that cleaned up and then came back in. And then I like to get them all bagged and in the freezer that night. So I got shrink wrap bags, ordered shrink wrap bags, and Got my water heated. So you have your water heated in the house to about 180 degrees. And then we bring them in and they get another rinsing. So rinse the cavity out again, rinse the outsides off. And I forgot to say when the automatic plucker does a really good job, but I still will lift up and look under the wings because there's little tiny feathers under the wings that sometimes the plucker doesn't get just because obviously the wings are kind of tucked close to the bird. And so I'll go through and, and pull anything like that, that it didn't get any of the little ones, but it's really very little that I have to do that. Um, so everything gets rinsed off again and one more final clean out. And then we set them to drain um, and pat them dry. And then they go into the bag the bag gets dipped into this hot water for about five seconds and it shrinks them up really close. And then you tie them off and label them and into the deep freezer they go. Now, some people will say that you need to let the birds rest for like two to three days so that the meat is not tough. But here's what we found. As long as they rest for about six hours after butchering, then we just put them in the freezer and then I will thaw them in the fridge. And on the thawing side, I will let them thaw in the fridge for about two days. I've never had a tough bird ever. I prefer to do it that way because I we don't have a store that's super close to us for ice. And I don't like them being out in coolers and making sure that the temperature stays cool because it's usually in the summertime when we're butchering. And so I've just found it easier to thaw them and let them rest in the fridge rather than do it the opposite way. So just a personal preference, but they've never been tough for us ever doing it that way. And the average weight of the birds, so this is completely dressed out. 
once they were in the house, they averaged about five pounds. We had some of them were like 4.8. We had some that were like 6.7, almost seven pounds, but averaged between all 26 birds, we were about five to five and a half pounds, which is really great for eight weeks of feed and time and care and growth. We were really pleased with the size of the birds. They turned out great. Now, um, I've had some people ask, well, do you like cut them up and all of that? And I, I don't. I always just freeze them whole because normally when I'm cooking them, we're going to be roasting or actually our favorite is smoked chicken, but we'll roast um, or smoke the whole chicken. Sometimes I'll cook a whole one in the Instapot. Just kind of depends on what I want to do with it. And then we'll eat from it like that. If it's a roasted chicken or smoked chicken, we'll just have that for dinner that night. And then I'll take the rest of the meat and turn it into, you know, whatever else it is. Um, You know, maybe it's uh, chicken tacos, chicken casserole, chicken soup, I, you know, just whatever your recipe that would call for cooked chicken in um, the rest of the week. And then I take that carcass and that goes in is made into bone broth with the addition of a couple of feet each time. So sometimes, so that is a, a year's worth of chicken for us, but, but I will sometimes purchase a couple of times a year, maybe three times a year, some organic pasture-raised chicken from the store of just like wings. So if we want to do like, you know, like doing party wings or barbecued wings or something like that, or sometimes if I just want boneless, skinless breasts and I don't want to do the whole bird, there's a couple of recipes. Um, so I will grab occasionally, or maybe I just want some chicken thighs. I want all dark meat to do up a recipe. So occasionally I will buy, usually from Costco, they have organic chicken like that. And so occasionally I'll buy a couple of things of that a year. Um, but I never buy whole chicken. And that's really just, like I said, just a few times a year, I'll buy those cuts if I want those. And so for the 26 chickens, as you can guess, I (laughs) divide that by 12 and we will have a whole chicken that would give us two a month. So about every other week we would have chicken. And because we raise our own grass-fed organic beef, we have pork, we get salmon, and we also go crabbing um, in our little 17-foot ski boat in the bay about an hour and a half away from us. And we also get a year's worth of crab. We've got a lot of meat. We're really blessed. And then on the years that my husband gets a deer, then we also have venison. So for us, my family size, that is just perfect for us. Now, obviously, some families would need more than that. Some would need less, etc. But that 26 whole meat birds for us or whole chickens, I should say, will take us through an entire year's worth of our chicken meat, with the exception of occasionally buying a couple extra individual packages. Now, again, to see the whole setup and to get links to some of the different equipment, because you can actually buy some of the equipment independently, especially if your local county extension office does not have the capability to rent the equipment. It's about 20, I think it's $27 to rent all all of that equipment, and you get it for three days. So for us, it is definitely worth it, but you can actually purchase some of the equipment. And we may do that in future years. Um, we just didn't, this, we haven't yet made those purchases. Um, but if you want to see the step-by-steps with the actual photos and everything, um, you can go to moskinrose.com forward slash 263. And if you are listening to this and you are a member of the Pioneering Today Academy under our livestock course in the Academy, there is under the Raising Chickens, there is the step-by-step video tutorial of seeing all of this in real time. Well, I don't know about real time because it's been recorded, <laughs> but in video. So for those of you who are listening, who are my Academy members, I know we have a lot, a 
a lot of new Academy members. Um, and if you haven't seen that, you can dive in there and catch all of that on the video lessons. And if you are interested in becoming an Academy member, we're not open for new members right now, but you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash PTA for short for Pioneering Today Academy, and you can get on the notify list. And then as soon as we open again, you will get a notification. So on to our verse of the week. So we are in Matthew chapter five, verse 40 through 43, excuse me, through 48. And this is the amplified translation of the Bible. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you to show that you are the children of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the wicked and on the good and makes the rain fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike. For if you love those who love you, what reward can you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brethren, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles and the heathens do that? You therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I realize that's not one verse, that that's several. But this is something I have really been trying to do better, and I will film miserably. <laughs> Just letting you know that. Um, but I keep coming back to this. And when someone does something where I feel very wronged, I keep reminding myself and coming back here and asking for the Lord's help to pray for those who are mean to me, to pray for those who are consumed with hate and are who are who spewing it out to others and it is affecting me. Um, and just to remember to pray for those and for God's guidance and his love. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I will be back here with you next week. And we're actually going to be talking about, it's a really fun episode. I learned a ton and I know you will too, but it's about other type of poultry that you can and should be raising on the homestead that you're probably not as familiar with. And some of the really amazing things that they can help you manage your property with. So little bit of a teaser there, but I can't wait to be back here with you next week when we go into episode number 264.